Hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jared. And today we talk with Brent Fenton, who is the firefighter Fenton character. He's a social media influencer, but also he's a real, he's a real firefighter uh, in real life. And he's uh, out of Arizona. He talks with us about some of his experiences with uh, firefighting, with uh, just being in that realm uh, he talks about we talk actually talk about coping with with difficult experiences. Uh, he shares with us about how he has built his social media presence and and how laughter and comedy can help relieve the toughest of situations. And so it was a great conversation. He shares a great a great story with us about uh, one of the fires he was involved with. And uh, you guys will really enjoy this episode. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right, let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done. All right, hey, Brent, welcome. We got Brent Fenton on today. He's a a firefighter out of Arizona, social media influencer slash star, Love your videos, by the way. They're they're hilarious. Um, we we found you on Instagram, which is I think where you're the biggest. Are you on? T- I think you are on TikTok, right? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok's We're, actually my biggest. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I I first saw you on Instagram, and then I think uh, Ethan saw uh, you I on TikTok. You on TikTok, yeah. And I was like, man, this guy's hilarious. And also, uh, love your experience as a firefighter. So thank you for coming on today to chat with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what, I guess w- one of the first things we want to chat about is just how did you get into to firefighting? I, I, I'm, just, I'm just kind of fascinated, fascinated by the, the career of a firefighter. Um, I guess a little bit of background. Ethan and I are both, I'm kind of a, a data scientist. I'm a data scientist. I, I work in the banking sector and Ethan is uh, similarly, he works in finance. And so it's kind of foreign to us, uh, you know, the whole firefighting career. So definitely interested to understand how you got into it uh, and how, how it's gone. Right. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I'm in Arizona. Um, I come from a, uh, public safety family. Um, my, I, my dad did, uh, 26 years with Phoenix PD. He retired as a Sergeant. Um, he is one of four brothers. Uh, my, his oldest brother, my uncle Jeff did 25 years with, uh, Phoenix PD and he retired a canine Sergeant and had another brother, uh, that did, uh, 20 years with another city in Arizona. Uh, and then the fourth brother, he worked for uh, a local gas company. So, but, uh, so the black sheep I was actually, yeah, <laughs> not, they would, they would say he's the smart one. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, uh, no, so I, um, I actually was gung ho to be a police officer. Uh, and I actually really, I love the forest. And so I was, on track when I graduated high school to go to, uh, Northern Arizona university, I was going to get my forestry degree. And then I wanted to be, wanted to work for the forest service and be a forest ranger. Yeah. So I figured I wanted to be a cop and I love the forest. So why not be a cop in the forest? Yeah, hey, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. So towards the end of, uh, my dad's career when I was, um, well, actually, this wasn't really towards the end of his career, but in his career, when I was, when I was getting ready to graduate high school, uh, he was promoted to Sergeant, uh, tragically he had one of his officers was, uh, ambushed and, uh, he was killed. 
Uh, so my dad took that very, very hard. Um, hmm. And so my dad, you know, he felt pretty responsible for what happened. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't even there. It was the guy, his name is Mark. Mark was going to go to a scene um, that was, or a bar basically that's in South Phoenix. It's a pretty rough area. And uh, his previous sergeant, he'd always said, Hey, I want to go work this bar. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crime there, a lot of drug activity there. I want to go in there and, and uh, you know, run that stuff out of there. And his old sergeant was like, ah, you're wasting your time. Don't do that stuff. Whatever. It's just, it's stupid. And his old sergeant wasn't necessarily like a go-getter. He didn't, you know, really was just trying to avoid paperwork, things like that. Yeah. So my dad, my dad got promoted, became his sergeant. Mark said the same thing. Hey, this is the area I want to go do. My dad's like, yeah, get after it, man. Go out there and make a difference. And when he went out there, that's ultimately where it happened, when it happened. And so that's why my dad felt hmm. a huge, uh, you know, weight and a burden and responsibility for what happened to Mark. Obviously it, you know, it, it could have happened to anybody, but yeah. so my dad, that being said, my dad said, I don't want to go to my son's funeral one day. I don't want you to be a police officer. Uh, you should go talk to some of my buddies who are firefighters. So I was like, okay, yeah, I never thought about the fire service, but yeah, I'll go check it out. So I went on a ride along, uh, went and did a ride along, uh, at one of his friends stations. He was a ladder captain. He let me ride like 24 hours, which is like unheard of. You know, I mean, you don't let people ride 24 hours, and especially now me being on the job. <laughs> That's an exhausting. Having a visitor for, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> having a visitor for 24 hours, you're like, okay, you can only entertain people so long. <laughs> so, but they got a house fire at like two in the morning. I remember jumping on the truck, taking off, going lights and sirens down the road to this house, pulling up, seeing smoke and fire coming out of the roof and the windows, and then it spreads to the neighbor's house. And I remember seeing the guys jump off the truck. And one of the guys pulling the hose and they just kick in the door and they just disappear in the smoke and fire. And I'm just like, yes, this is amazing. This is what I want to do. <laughs> Forget police officer. This is what I want to do. And so how, I many, how started, many years, how many years ago was this? Uh, so that was, I was 18. So that was 21. I'm 39. So I was 21 years ago. So that was crazy. <laughs> wow. So I, yeah. So I started, um, started testing, going on ride-alongs, um, getting to know people, getting to know really what the job was. I went to EMT school and I was actually in EMT school when 9-11 happened. And then uh, hmm. I got, I ended up getting hired full-time as a firefighter in 2004. Oh, nice. So did you do like yeah. volunteer firefighting before that? No. So um, in Arizona, there there's there's not really very many volunteer, Every, everything pretty much out here. So I'm a career firefighter. Every, everything out here for the most part is full-time paid career. So, um, I got hired with my department at the time they had reserves, which are almost like, it's like an explorer. It's like you're, you work, you're like, you were an extra guy. It's really to help get you experience. And really, honestly, it, what benefit to the department is it's kind of like an extended look at whether or not they want to hire you for the next 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're a prospect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So that's awesome. And so I did that. I did that for eight months. And then, uh, when they tested full time, I tested for them and they liked me enough from my, uh, reserve experience. And so there's like a, so now there's like a police Academy. Is there like mm -hmm. a similar type of thing for firefighting? Yes. So there's a, there's a, a fire Academy. So, um, you know, when you get picked up by a department, they send you to, it's like a regional Academy here in Arizona. There's three of them. Um, and 
it's uh it's down in phoenix there's also one in glendale and there's one in uh i believe it's mesa some of the other cities anyway it's not important but there's these regional uh, academies where they send everybody down there uh you all get the same training um it's a a 16-week academy you go monday through friday you're there super super early Hmm. you know you're getting there especially it depends if it's if it's a summer academy you're starting at like 4 a.m. just because they want to get out of there, you know, by like one or two because it's going to be hot, insanely because hot. Because it's yeah. Arizona. Yeah, exactly. It's just not safe. <laughs> so. so, so do you do more? I mean, you have a specific department. Um, I'm guessing mm-hmm. that department is in a, you know, a city that has a population. Um, do you do more urban firefighting or do you also get involved in, in rural or, or wildfire firefighting, stuff. wildfire, stuff like that? Yeah. So my department, um, we are a district, so we cover, um, three towns. Um, and so, uh, we're, we cover and we cover a large portion of the County areas too. So we have, it's a very diverse makeup in my department. So we have, uh, the city atmosphere where you got the big buildings, the suburbs, the houses, everything like that, fire hydrants, things like that. But then like we cover, um, 250 square miles. So it's a, it's a big, big area. And so we also have the more rural communities, um, where it's people that live on, you know, multiple acreage property where you can have a multi-million dollar home on two acres right next to, somebody who's living out of a school bus (laughs) circled the kind of circled the wagon no zoning (laughs) exactly and it's so it's it's very diverse uh and you do have a lot of open land uh in that the wildland the uh and for us in this and the area where i'm at it's all desert um and then we have uh the main uh it's actually the fourth dangerous highway in uh the country (laughs) runs right through about 40 miles of of my department right wow. straight through. So we, that keeps us very, very busy. We get a lot of, a lot of trauma, you know, car wrecks, you name it, any, any, anything and everything, the freeway brings everything. So. <laughs> wow. Is it, is it so. true that, um, I think I was told one time that like anytime there's a, a 911 emergency, there's or, always send a fire truck. Like there's always a fire truck involved or, um, like if it has anything to do with, I don't know whether it's a, someone at night get, has a health issue or whether it's a car crash or whatever else. I mean, you think that they was in just an ambulance or just a police officer, but how, how do firefighters get involved at that point? Right. So um, now it's, it's one thing that I've learned through this whole like social media journey is I've met firefighters from all over the country, all over the world. And, and we do the same job, but it's also very different in a lot of places. So yeah, um, locally, yeah. So, so locally in Arizona um, and in the Valley, the greater Phoenix area, it's all career firefighters. There's no volunteers. We're all career. Um, every fire truck has two paramedics and two EMTs. I'm also a paramedic. Um, so uh, how the system works here is uh, the, the 911 comes into the dispatch center. Um, they decide, you know, they, they basically filter out whether it's a police or a fire uh situation and fire situation, meaning an actual fire or mm-hmm. um, an emergency medical. Um, so then they dispatch through it's, we have what's called the Phoenix regional dispatch center and it dispatches 28 departments. Um, and regardless of the city that it's in or the area that it's in, um, all the jurisdictional boundaries are erased and they send the closest unit. 
So it, you could you could live in the city of Phoenix and you'll have a, a city of Glendale fire truck pull up or city of Peoria fire truck pull up or so it's it's a really great system. It is very unique to Arizona. Um, I, I do believe there's a couple other cities uh, in other states that have adopted it, but for the most part, it's very unique. Uh, system that we have here. Uh, it's awesome because those 28 departments, we all speak the same language. We have the same standard operating procedures. We can talk on the same radio frequencies because I know like back East and some of the other areas, you can have four departments show up to help each other out. They got different radio channels. They train differently. So it's just, it's kind of a, it's, 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 archaic almost there's a lot of tradition a lot of pride that goes into oh, it bet, so yeah. <laughs> so and I, I don't want to say the west is more progressive but there is there is progress um out here that it just it, it works well uh, i won't say that we do it better we just do it different yeah what's the difference between, uh, i know excuse my ignorance here but what is the difference between a paramedic and an emt what oh okay so uh an emt is basically uh so it's like they say basic life support. Uh, so it's a, an EMTB. So they can do, uh, they're trained in CPR, um, wound care, uh, like bleeding wounds and shock, things like that. Um, not very invasive procedures. Now as a paramedic, I can do, um, like I start IVs. Um, I have a drug box with 38 different drugs that I can give. Um, I can do endotracheal innovations. I can do, uh, surgical airways, which is, that's the cry where you yeah. cut the throat and do that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I can do that in the field, though, things like that. So it, it's just, it's, uh, a paramedic is advanced life support and EMT is basic life support. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I, mean, I think I would think that every, anybody really, Every everything I think every man should have basic like EMT experience, like know how to treat a wound, know how to like, you know, give CPR, CPR especially or, if you have kids, you right. know, stuff like that. Whereas like the paramedic is like kind of the next level, like you know, if you're in the army, it's like the medic, you know, it comes in, <laughs> right? It helps you with advanced, more advanced stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just that. That's you're exactly right. It's just having the skills to act when something is needed, not yeah. just stand by and shock, you know? And I mean, I get, there's some people who just don't have it. It's just different, but, uh, I definitely having some level of know-how, you know, the Jack of all trades thing I think is. Important. Oh yeah. Have you ever <laughs> been so. in a situation where you've just been totally shocked and you just didn't, you're just maybe at the beginning of your career, you were just like, Oh my gosh, like I don't even know what to do here. Um, you know, not to sound like, uh, air or anything, but like, but no, I mean, we, we train a lot. Yeah. So that doesn't happen. And that's the big thing is they say, you know, we're nine one one. So if things go bad for us, who do we call? So we yep, just, exactly. we can't, we, yeah, we just, we can't let it go bad. It like, um, not figuring it out is not an option. We just, we have to, you got to do it, you know? And so, um, they're, you know, we're, we're paid professionals. So, uh, you know, our job is to come in and bring common order to chaotic situations. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, you know, we train a lot to know our jobs, know it well, you know, th there's that saying where it says, you know, when, when, you know, when stuff hits the fan, you know, uh, you're going to rise to that occasion. And that's not true at all. You actually fall back, you know, on you don't, training. they say you yeah. fall back on your basic level of training. And so when you train so much and it becomes like second nature, um, regardless, you just, 
you just act. Yep. I like that. Yeah. It's rising to the occasion is you can't, you can't learn something that you didn't know before you get there. It's not just going to like spontaneously pop into your head and, Oh, I know what to do now. You, yeah, right. you, fall, you fall back into probably what your comfort zone is and say, okay, well I can do this and this and this and this. Cause I've practiced it a million times. Exactly. I like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. That is cool. Well, do you do, so you said like you cover certain urban, like rural areas as well. And I'm sure that there's all kinds of, you know, forest fire trainings and, you know, you know, you, you talk about these, some of these guys that are what they call hot shots where they like halo done, jump into an area and then they just battle the fire from the inside the fire. I mean, that's probably right. a whole nother, that's probably like a little bit of a different level than, um, they probably solely do that, but do you guys do these types of trainings to be able to manage wildfires? Yeah. So, um, my department, so we're primarily a structure department, but we do, like I said, we do have that, um, that wildland urban interface the, where there's more rule. Um, so we, every one of our members in our department, uh, are trained and certified as a wildland firefighter. Like wildland firefighting has its own separate certification than mm-hmm. from, it's called a red card. Um, which is separate from the structure firefighting certifications that we have. Um, so yeah, it, it's a very, it's just, it's very different tactics. Uh, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different um, way that we talk to each other um, in, in the sense of like, just uh, even in the order model of how we talk and just like the tactics that we use, you know, with, um, you know, structure fires, uh, you have for one a lot of the time you have a hydrant or you have some sort of water supply uh you know and you you, and you have a four-man crew you're wearing completely different gear you're wearing the turnouts the scba which is the self-contained breathing apparatus you got all that um you're going into a building um uh there is fire science involved in that um and how fires burn and we know how fires burn and where they like to go and, and all things with flow paths and some stuff that I know is going over. Here. <laughs> but no, you're, but then yeah. with, but then with wildland, it's very, very different. You know, you're not going into buildings. You're wearing, um, you know, you're wearing Nomex pants, a Nomex shirt, you're wearing boots, hard hat, work gloves, um, no breathing protection. Um, sometimes all you have is a hand tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have a bladder bag, um, And you, and the weather is a huge thing, you know, and they say weather, fuel, and topography are the big things that those are the the main three that affect, uh, wildfire spread and growth. Um, and you're depending on a lot of other resources, uh, a lot of air resources. Like you see the airplanes, helicopters, things like that. And they're able to tell you, and, and we depend, like we talked about the weather, every wildland firefighter has got a basic level of almost like a weatherman, know how to read the weather, read the clouds, because, it truly does affect your safety out there. Yeah. Um, earlier we were talking about how you kind of, for lack of a, but you know, we, we use the word prospect for a, a department, right? You go in, you kind of have a trial period where to see if, if everything works out or feels good. What, um, what is the camaraderie like in a fire department? I mean, I'm guessing you guys to a certain extent, well, number one, you and those you work with are in life and death situations and you have to rely on another person potentially for, um, for help or assistance or whatever else it may be. How does that, as well as, I don't know if you, you 
have like shifts where you live with people for a certain certain amount of days on and off. How has that built like camaraderie within a team and how does that feel to have that? Yeah. So, uh, it's a great question. So, um, so I work 48 hour shifts. So I do two days on. So 48 hours on 96 hours off the schedule is called 48, 96. That's another thing that's different all around the country. Some people work that, uh, for, uh, uh, a large portion of my career, uh, it was 2448. So one day on two days off. Um, I love the 4896. Sometimes the two days can get long, but the four days off makes up for it immensely. It's awesome. Um, and then there's other schedules that are just different. Um, but that's what I work. Uh, and so, yeah, when you first get hired on the department for your first year, you go through a probationary period where you're called a probie, a booter, a rookie, whatever you call it. We call them booters. Um, those guys are kind of the butts of all the jokes. Uh, you know, there is, uh, they get to take out the trash and yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's an element of, yeah, you are, I mean, you, you, you do it all basically. <laughs> and we've all done it. We've all paid our dues. We've all earned our way. Um, but it, it just, it helps you appreciate the job that you have because it is extremely competitive to get into the field. Very, very competitive. Sometimes you can be testing with thousands of people for less than 10 jobs. Um, it's, it's very, it's very competitive. So it's, so it kind of teaches you to appreciate what you have. Um, it shows the crew, you know, your work ethic, things like that. Um, and you know, it's, it's the little things like when you, when guys are doing things when nobody's looking, you know, speaks volumes when they do about things that they do, you know, and just their character. And, um, so yeah, like you said, we do, we do work in, um, the life and life and death situations. Um, the majority of what we do as firefighters, especially, um, on the West coast is it's about 85% of what we do is medical calls and only about 15% is fire. Hmm. Um, and that, and that attributes to, you know, fire codes and different safety measures, every buildings are sprinkler, things like that. So fires get knocked out pretty quick. You know, uh, you ask a firefighter, that's very unfortunate for us because we like to run fires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, but, but I'm the, sure that, I'm sure that medical calls could be very traumatic to people that arrive on scene and, and stuff like that. I mean, just as hard, I, I'm guessing in a, a different light, right? Maybe it's maybe not as physically, physically demanding, maybe as emotional demanding, or, you know, it's just, hard in general to, to see what like car what accidents, that, you get people yeah. getting lots of t- types of accidents. I mean, this isn't just people having heart attacks and stuff, you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. You, you, we literally run on everything. And so I think the, the camaraderie that, that draws the bond so tight and these relationships so tight is that we do, we spend a third of our life with these guys, with each other. Um, we fight like families, you know, we get along like families, we laugh, we joke, we, you know, we argue, um, you know, we cry. There's, I mean, like I said, it's, it's a great job, but it's, uh, um, people only talk about the awesome parts and there's not so awesome parts. And like you said, it can be very traumatic. You know, we do see, uh, the worst of the worst and we're the first ones there. And, and I think that kind of transitions, um, throughout your career of how it changes, but I'll, we can talk about that later, but to come back to the, uh, the, com- the camaraderie, uh, the job is awesome, but it can also suck, like really suck. And whether it's because you're just getting your butt handed to you physically on a fire or just on whatever it is that you're doing, we, we, 
there, there's a saying that says, you know, we're the lubrication that keeps the wheels of society moving because people call 911 for literally anything. everything, anything and everything. And so when you're just physically exhausted or when you're running, you know, uh, a call involving a child, you know, a child that's been, you know, run over by a parent in a driveway, which, oh, you know, unfortunately has happened multiple times or drowning calls or, you know, the old woman who just lost her husband of 60 years, things like that. Those, those are not normal things for people to see. Yeah. Um, we do, we do see it. Um, and you have to have coping mechanisms. And part of that is, is your crew and you just hanging out. And that's it, the big thing is, is, everybody's experiencing the suck, if you will. And together. you're all in that, to, yeah. you're in it together, you're grinding through it. And so that builds those bonds and you, you, you get to see, you know, your buddies at their highest and celebrate the wins when people get promoted or when people get hired full time or when they have babies or they get married and things like that. And then you get to see, you get to experience the lows um, professionally of, uh, the calls that we, the, you know, the bad calls we run on or, you know, when their loved ones, even in our, you know, when our, like I said, we're a family. So sometimes people on their, on our crew, sometimes their family members die, you know, and unfortunately there's guys that have had marriages end, and so you're there through all of that. And it's, um, we've had members whose children have died. I mean, it's just, you're just there through all that. And so it truly is it's a very unique profession because it's a job, but it's also a family. Yeah. You, one of the things you mentioned was those coping mechanisms that you employ when you, you run into a situation where you have you come up with something that's very traumatic. I mean, you say you've got kids. I mean, something that is one of my fears or, or something that I'm always like I'd, cognizant of is like leaving a kid in a hot car or like backing over a kid. Like I got kids running all over my street and all over my driveway all the time. And so I'm so conscious about that because I'm like, that would be like my worst nightmare is to like leave a kid in a car or, and, and just like forget, you know, uh, how do you cope with that? I mean, I think that is so helpful to people trying to cope with any type of a thing. And, and since you're in a situation where you actively have to uh, cope with these things in a healthy manner and not just drink right. it away or, you know, do other things. Um, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, there's, unfortunately there's a lot like there's, um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys that that don't cope well. They do drink it away. There's, there's a big substance abuse problem. There's suicide issues and first responders. And I mean, honestly, it does. It comes down to for me. Um, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Uh, my faith. I have my faith in Jesus. Um, and so, I I know um, I, I know that this life isn't it for me. And uh, and so my faith is very helpful with coping. Um, you know, I pray a lot. Um, but I'm also, you know, I have a family, I have, I have something outside of the department. I think that's a big thing is having something outside of the profession of a firefighter. A lot of guys, um, you know, they eat, sleep, breathe, bleed the fire department. And that's great. Like I'm proud to be a firefighter. I love this job. It, uh, I, I, um, I love going to work every single day. It doesn't feel like I'm even going to work. Um, but I'm, I have so many more things that I am outside of it. You know, I'm not, I'm not a firefighter who happens to be a dad and a husband and, yeah. and a brother and a friend. I'm, I'm a husband, a father, a friend, a brother, 
first and then a fireman. you know yeah. and, and then a fireman i'm also an idiot who wears a fake mustache on the internet but like <laughs> but but that first also couple for videos me, i watched i was like is that thing real yeah me yeah, too we'll talk about that in a minute but yeah, just, <laughs> you would be surprised how many people think it's real. <laughs> um but i uh and, and honestly that i mean for me and hobbies things like that all that kind of stuff you, you have to have an escape you have to have something where you can just turn that off and, 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 and I'll be honest, you know, there are some scenes that you just can't turn off. And yeah. so you have to, you know, fortunately the fire department is very good at supporting mental health. And so there's a lot of resources. I mean, I've spoken to counselors guy and the, the big, the big push now is like erasing that stigma of like you're weak, yeah. you know, Oh, suck it up, get over it. And it's like, you know, now I, there is an element where I'm just like, all right, freaking get over these things or whatever. But there is also an element of like, we see really, really bad things, experience really, really bad things that is not normal or healthy for any human being uh, to experience. So if you're having an issue, go talk to somebody. I'm not going to judge you. I don't care. If you're having an issue, I want you to be healthy. I want you to get over it. Um, And so go talk to people. And and so, yeah, the, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I have my faith. I have my family. I have my social media where I, I love to make people laugh. And so for me, comedy is a huge, you know, comedy. People always say, oh, comedy is the best medicine or laughter is the best medicine. But for me, it truly is. I enjoy, you know, I, I know that that's how my brain works and not everybody works that way. But that's why I like to make content that makes people laugh because it's just good for everybody. <laughs> that's a great answer. I mean, I think that's that's so hopeful. You can find refuge in your in your faith and in your family and, and in your hobbies that you like to do. And and. I feel the same way, you know, you know, by trade, you know, I'm a data analyst, but I feel like that's not really who I am. If someone asks, who are you? I'm like, name all these other things first. And then I'm like, oh yeah. And I work at a, I work at a bank, you know, <laughs> I do analytics. Right. And so, um, right. that's, uh, that's so important. Uh, I really like that. Yeah. So, um, kind of one of the, the last things, I mean, we've been talking a lot about firefighting and this, this career and we want to get to as well kind of the, how that evolved into maybe some of the social media stuff Oh, Ethan, well. hold on one sec. First, before we get into social media, though, I was wondering if maybe you could share maybe a story or two, just like a memorable story of being a firefighter and fighting a fire. Maybe maybe could you give us a story about when you're fighting a fire, just just how that was, and maybe one that just sticks in your mind, and then maybe of one a medical call that you've come up on. Or any like interesting or funny calls that you've gotten in yeah. the past. Love to hear some stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the best thing about being a firefighter is the the dinner table stories where you get where you, you just get the the hilarious stories or the crazy stories, all kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, every firefighter could write a book that people would read and go, There's no way. There's no way this happened. Like, like, no, like the movie Final Destination is just the tip of the iceberg of things that actually happen. And you're like, there's no, absolutely no way stuff like that happens, but it really does. Um, but uh, no, um, you know, I, I have, well, I'm trying to think of like some of the, the best, I mean, I've had some funny fire stories uh, the mo the, the, the craziest fire story I've actually never talked about it be- before, um, like on any kind of uh, podcast. So it's exclusive, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> but, uh, we're going to advertise uh, that. <laughs> yeah. But I, um, so 
I was uh, working at one of our stations. Uh, we were dispatched. I was the captain, um, which is so like on the trucks, there's two firefighters, an engineer and a captain. So the captain's like the boss of the, of the truck. So um, I was working as the captain and uh, we went, uh, got dispatched, came out as a, uh, a debris fire. So, and it was in the summer, middle of the summer. So anytime you get any kind of fire, you take all the trucks. So at that station, we had a, it was in the area, one of our areas that doesn't have hydrants. So we have a water tender it carries, uh, like 3000 gallons of water. So you're bringing the water tender cause you got to bring the water. The fire engine has 750 gallons. So you got like 3,750 gallons to play with until you can get more help there with other units yeah. and things like that. So, um, and then we also bring a smaller truck called a brush truck. And that's the truck that is primarily used for wildland fires. So Paul, the station, make the left look off in the distance. I can see a column of smoke. I'm like, yep, this is going to be a working fire. So I get onto the radio. I call the dispatch. This was in an area that we had just recently taken over. So we were kind of operating on two dispatch systems. This area was very North and out of the area that we're normally at. So that that'll play into the story later. Um, so I call for more resources because I can tell this isn't a bad area. It's, that day, I think it was like 112 out, like, you know, 5% humidity. So wow. everything is ready to burn, you know? Yeah. So, so we're going, we're dressing out for wildland because that's what it kicked out as. And that's what it looked like. That's what the smoke looked like. And you can, you know, obviously, like I said, through our training, we've, I've learned how to read smoke and know what's a structure fire and what's, you know, not a structure yeah, fire. Yeah. So Responding through, uh, we go underneath the freeway, and when we come out under from underneath the freeway bridge, uh, the smoke has dramatically changed in density and in color. Uh, it's now jet black, and it is thick. And so now I know, okay, this has gotten into something, something more than just bushes. So uh, as we crest this hill, we make a turn in the neighborhood, we pull um, up to the front door, up to the front of this house uh and there is a large fire in the back and the house is actively on fire and as we pull up i'm giving so you we, we take command i'm giving an on-scene report so i'm letting the alarm room know you know we're on store we're on scene of a single story residence we have an obvious working fire and i'm telling them here's what we're gonna do you know basically we're pulling this size hose line we're gonna be going in and we're gonna be uh doing search and rescue for you know victims and fire attack and we're gonna be offensive and that's what we call it then i take command and we do our thing. Well, while I'm doing that, mind you, we're also dressed out for wildland, but yeah. it just shifted gears at the last minute. So now my crew is split because two of my guys are bringing the other two trucks. So now while I'm giving this report, I see the front door of the house open up and a woman come walking out. And you learn when you come on these scenes. So when you first start out, they call it that camel moth syndrome, you know, when, when the, you got the brand new guy and he's just like oh, fire and he goes right to the fire, but he doesn't see anything else going on around him or, or a medical call or whatever. He doesn't see anything going on around him. Um, so as you get more experience, you learn to take it all in, especially as the captain, you have to take in the big picture because you're responsible for everybody. And you just, you just have to like get the lay of the scene. I got to see all sides of the building, everything. Uh, so I notice in the front yard, um, I see, you know, some kid toys and along the side yard, I can see a trampoline. Um, I can see, you know, like a power wheel. So I'm like, okay, this home has children. Um, so I have to let the alarm room know 
also be advised we have uh, victims inside the home. And I just basically dropped the mic because, you know, it's time to go to work. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll update them later, but I need to get in there and get people out. Um, but I also have to first change my outfit <laughs> you know, because I was wearing the wildland stuff. So now I got to, now I have to jump into my turnouts and get dressed out. And, you know, there's, we're testing on everything in the fire service. And so you're tested. You, you need to be able to go from in standard street clothes to wearing your complete turnouts, everything, breathing apparatus, the whole deal in a minute and a half. And so it's stripped down from all the other stuff, jump into your other stuff. Mind you, it's like 112 out. It's insanely hot. Um, and then my crew's coming up and I'm like radioing them saying, Hey, get up here, get your structure gear on. We're going inside. So we got to do that. So then we're pulling our hose lays. This lady comes out. Um, I run up to the front door. My engineer is helping me get the hoses. I run up to the front door and there's a sheriff that comes up and he's like, what do you need? I'm like, I need you to help me get these people out of here. So I run up and the lady, the lady sees a bush on fire and she goes, Oh my gosh, my front yard's on fire. <laughs> and I was like, and I don't know how she didn't see the giant shade that was over her, which was the towering calm smoke. And I said, ma'am, your house is on fire. You need to get out. And she turned around and she goes, Oh my God, my babies. And she runs right back in the house. And so I run in after her and I grab her. I'm like, man, and mind you, I'm just wearing my, my pants. I'm, I don't even have all my stuff. I just have my pants. I'm like, man, you need to come with me to come with me. She's like, my babies are in here. So I'm like, we will get them. Let's go. So we get the cop grabs her, takes her out. I run out. I get my stuff on. We pull the hose. We go inside. Um, you know, and so she's saying babies. I see the kid stuff. I'm thinking there are children in this house. We need to go in there. Um, so me and the firefighter, we pull our line, we go in, um, the house, the home is already filling with smoke. Um, there's, we see a couple cats, a couple dogs. There's like a bird in a cage. Um, you know, so our priority, number one is life safety. We need to make sure that we need to get these kids out of the house. Human life safety. Human. Yeah. Hum- exactly. Human life safety. Yeah. <laughs> um, birds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do, we do try to, we do try to salvage any kind of life, but for them, but the number one priority is going to be human life safety, um, pets and then property. Um, you know, and our life safety obviously is, is wrapped up in that human life safety. Yeah. So we go in, um, smoke is banking down quickly, uh, immediately recognize that this is a hoarder house. It is, I mean, it is stuff, debris up to the ceiling, little pathways through the home. Oh, wow. That's dangerous. Just a, extremely dangerous you get caught in there um, and then you're on fire just that's it's a, a hazard yeah. it's a death it's a recipe for disaster it's a death trap um so we we go in we start making our way back to the back hallway it's now the smoke is now it's super super thick so now we're you know at first when you get in there you're walking you're kind of your head's kind of in the smoke a little bit you're looking around you can still see everything pretty good but we're making our way back and then um, you can see that the fire is working in a back bedroom. Um, you know, we're yelling, Hey, Hey, you know, fire department, come to us, come to us, come out here. You don't hear anything. You don't see anything. Um, and now the smoke is, uh, banking down. It's getting very thick. It's, it's the heat is starting to become immense. So it's pushing us down to the stomach. Uh, we can cool the environment with our hose lines, um, to, to make it more tenable for us than any victims that we find. Um, mind you, we're still by ourselves. There's, there's nobody else there. It's just us, just me and my nozzle men. 
um, going through this house. Um, we start going back. Uh, visibility is now starting to get down to zero, starting to get very hot. Um, and then we get reports that it was not children. It was pets. Hmm. So now at this point, I've now transitioned to, okay, we're not dying over stuff and we're not dying over pets because we have in our training, we will risk a lot, including our lives to save a savable life. Um, we will risk a little to save a savable property and we won't risk anything to save what's already lost. Um, this house is a hoarder situation. Those are, that's a firefighter death trap. So immediately it's a write-off we're done. And so I tell Nick, we're getting out of here. So we start backing out, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to put the fire out, but now that we know that the life safety aspect is, is, uh, um, taken, is, uh, uh, taken care of, um, there is a large, large volume of fire in this home at this point. Um, it's starting to come across our head. It's looking like what's going to call like a flashover scenario, which a flashover scenario is where everything in the room reaches its ignition point at the same time and instantly lights on fire and smoke. Also smoke is just, uh, unburned products of combustion. So smoke is flammable. So the smoke catches on fire, everything. And so the temperatures can surge 2000 degrees and it kills firefighters. It's very deadly, um, environment. So we start backing out, uh, start trying to attack the fire, make a, uh, make a, uh, an effect on it. And you can realize you, you can learn pretty quickly based on what you're doing. If you are using a certain tactic and it's just not working and, and under normal circumstances, it should work. That's a big signal to be like, okay, we need to change up what we're doing. This is not a good situation. We need to get out here. So we started working our way out. Uh, we ended up going defensive on the home, which means we just wrote it off. And so we pull ourselves out to the exterior and now we want to start protecting exposures. Now, mind you, this has all been going on for, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Uh, this station, um, like I said, this was a new area that we had just started to take over. So the next closest station is, uh, let's see, what is it? Um, 15, 20 miles away. Um, the engines only go so fast on the freeway. Um, Especially loaded with water. <laughs> Right. And when I was talking about that dispatch system, so this new area was on a separate dispatch system. So there was a huge breakdown in communication when I'm telling them, hey, I need more resources. There was a huge delay in them telling our primary dispatch where the rest of our department was dispatched from. Now all that's taken care of. We got rid of the old dispatch. Everybody's in the same one. When we ask for stuff, we get it. So there was a big delay. The second truck didn't get there for 35 to 40 minutes. So what happened was we're in there, we're going defensive. Um, we're protecting our exposures. There's, and the exposures included other homes, um, trying to keep the brush from spreading for this, taking off to be a wildfire and taking out multiple homes. There's motor homes, there's vehicles, all kinds of stuff around this house and trailer and all kinds of stuff. So while we're in there, um, come out, uh, we have to go switch out our air bottles because we run out of air. Cause you know, you're working, you're huffing and puffing again. Like I said, it's, it's super hot. Switching and you're outside, bottles. you're outside at this point, right? You're at outside this point, and we're you're still outside. breathing, you're still breathing oxygen. You're not just, okay. Yeah. You, you have, you would have to. And, and, the, and even the conditions had changed because when we first pulled in and where we parked, it was a great spot. Fire smoke standing straight up. There's no wind. Well, now when I come out, I can't even see the engine because the smoke is laying down. The wind oh. has now shifted and it is pushing the fire 
over on us. And so now we're in exposure. So yeah. we're trying to protect our fire engine, we're trying to uh, do all that stuff. Well, then we start to run out of water because we don't have any backup or any resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only so much we can do. So we start to run out of water. And as we run out of water, um, you know, I'm giving my crew um, orders. Hey, I need you to go take that water tender, go fill it up and come back. My engineer says, Hey, we're about out of water. So I'm like, okay, we're out of water. We're out of air bottles. This is not good. We're in exposure. Now our lives are in danger because this fire is pushing behind us. Um, finally, a second truck gets there. Um, and our battalion chief was, was the second truck. The battalion chief gets there. He takes command from me. Um, I kind of give him a breakdown of what he gets shortly after that, another engine, he assigns that other engine to protect the fire that was pushing up the hill that was now impacting a second house. So they get assigned to, to go protect that house. Um, unfortunate for us <laughs> because, uh, we're in a very, very crappy situation at this point, uh, because now we're out of air bottles. Um, we're out of water and now we're a huge exposure. So, tell the engineer, Hey, we're cutting our lines. We're getting out of here. And I let command know, Hey, we need to, we need to abandon our position. We're out of water. Um, we're in exposure. We're not in a safe location. We need to get out of here. So we try, I get out, I say, let's go. We break our hope. We just break our hoses off. We just leave it because it doesn't matter at that point. Just leave the hoses, um, get this truck out of here. So we go to back the engine up and there was a power pole that had caught on fire and the power pole right behind the engine. So now live power lines are blocking the engine and there's nothing we can do. With so I looked no at my water. engineer with no water. So I looked at my engineer and abandon you know, the vehicle. We're both, <laughs> we're, we're both like the writing is on the wall. This is going to happen. Like this is horrible. So I'm letting command know, Hey, uh, <laughs> things just went from bad to worse. You know, we have no water. We're abandoning our position. Uh, we're, we're blocked in by power lines. We have to get out of here. We're not in a safe location. And he's like, okay, you know, get yourself in a safe location. Um, and then I'm like letting him know, uh, the truck is going to burn. And now he realizes, oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Um, so we, I tell my engineer, roll up the windows, get anything out of here that we can. We need to get to that road now. Cause now we're kind of being surrounded by fire because there's brush and all that kind of stuff. And the fire has now spread around the side of the yard. This truck that's up on the Hill is protecting the other home that the fire is impacting. And this is burning around us. And now there's the RV that was on the properties on fire. Their van is on fire. Their car is on fire. They had a trailer there that was on fire. Everything is on fire. And then um, on the other side of the yard was a shed. And that was next to our engine and fire had, you know, spotted on some brush, burned back, caught that shed on fire. Uh, that shed apparently was full of nothing but lumber. And so that shed caught on fire. And ultimately when we had to leave that fire spread to our engine and it actually burned up our fire truck. Wow. Uh, it was a very, uh, <laughs> humiliating experience for me as a firefighter, as a, uh, someone who's, who's working in the captain seat, who's responsible for the truck. Uh, that was, you don't, you don't lose your truck. You know, uh, we always say everybody goes home at the end of the day. Uh, so that, um, that was, a a crazy, crazy experience. Um, 
you know, everybody did go home. Um, a couple of us ended up having to go to the hospital. Uh, I myself went to the hospital. I had uh, rhabdomyolysis uh, from that. You know, What's just, that? Uh, basically where um, it's uh, overexertion of your body and your body starts to break down your muscle tissue and it can send you into like renal failure and things like that. It can be, it can be a life-threatening condition. Fortunately, it wasn't. With, with, if it goes untreated, it can be. Um, but, uh, went to the hospital a couple of days, had to have, um, multiple IV fluids and things like that. And, and, uh, uh, was able to, I made a full recovery. It's totally fine. But again, that's another thing. That's a shot to the pride. Nobody wants to be transported. Nobody wants to say that kind of stuff. Um, but you know what? It happened. Um, I learned a ton from it. I learned a ton from it. Uh, uh, my, my fire chief at the time was awesome. You know, I, I saw he was actually out of town when it happened. Uh, he got the phone call and, uh, he knew it was bad when, um, he's getting a phone call from multiple chiefs. And, uh, first thing he said was who died. Hmm. And, uh, and they said, uh, thankfully nobody died, but we did lose a fire truck. And he's like, I don't care as long as nobody died. I don't care. And so when I saw chief, I was like, Hey chief, uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. I'm ashamed. And he's like, why are you ashamed? And I was like, well, you know, it's my job to take care of my crew and my stuff. And he's like, is your crew okay? I said, yeah. He's like, well, then you did your job. And he's like, that's what insurance is for. He's like, I can get two craps. He's like, I'd burn up fire trucks all day as long as everybody goes home. Um, and then he actually said, you actually saved us a lot of money because it was one of our oldest trucks that we were getting ready to surplus. And he's like, we probably would have got 10 grand at surplus for it. And he's like, and now insurance is writing us a check for the full value of that <laughs> engine when it was brand new. And he's like, so he's like, I should be shaking your hand. <laughs> I'm like, you're like, I'll just take 10% of that. That takes a load <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? He was like, you know, did you learn something? And I said, chief, I learned more in my, more in that hour of my life than I did in the 15 years of being a firefighter at that time that I had had. And, uh, yeah. And he said, well, then that's a win. He's like, it's only a loss if you, if that happened and, and you didn't learn something. So that was, that was insane that was an insane uh experience um you know i make a lot of joking videos where i or i poke fun at things people are doing but the thing is is it's all happened and i can laugh at myself yeah um i can admit when i've had failures i can admit when i've had wins um you know we work in the field of crap happens and sometimes just like on that day it happened happens to you (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so that's that's a crazy story with uh a really cool kind of moral to go along with it as well is that, you know, sometimes you learn the most in trial, right? You learn oh. the most when things are the hardest and, uh, that, uh thanks for sharing that story. Yeah. It's very really cool. Yeah. Very cool. Absolutely. Sorry. I have long winded. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, that's great. Well, we do want to hear about, uh, you know, we want to hear about your, your, so your social media, uh, presence and how you, you know, took on Fenton, the firefighter character. What can you tell us about that and how you got started doing that? Yeah. So, you know, my whole life I have, I've loved to make people laugh. People always said, oh man, you should be a comedian. Like even when I was a kid, you should be a comedian. You're hilarious. Just that. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. I just like to make people laugh. It's just fun. And, um, I, you know, would be at work and making guys laugh around the table and guys would say, dude, you missed your calling. You missed your calling. I'm like, you can only hear that so many times where you start to question like, did I miss my calling? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you know, guys would, um, 
guys would just, you know, say, Hey, you should do stand up or whatever. And this and that. And I was just like, you know, I'm like, my dream is to just like, I love making videos. I love that kind of stuff. My dream would be able to make videos or do movies or that kind of stuff. And I don't even know how to do that, but I was like, you know, social media was starting to pick up. This was back in like, I got a YouTube back in 2007 and I just made little funny videos here and there, but it wasn't anything fire department. It was just random things I thought was funny. But then my department does a banquet every year and it's a charity banquet and uh, it's, they give awards like firefighter of the year and different things as part of the night. And it can get kind of stale, you know, listen to speaker after speaker and things like that. And so they were like, we need to do something to liven the, uh, the event. And I was like, you know what I could, maybe I could make a video. And so I actually started on YouTube. And so I started, I made uh, um, the biggest things that I, that I did it for a while. And I, I'm actually making one right now, but uh, it was uh, music video parodies. Yeah. So, I seen like, couple, yeah. Those are funny. Yeah. So I, so, um, so I'm very, very much into music. That's actually how my wife and I met was doing music together. Uh, very much into music, uh, play guitar, sing drums, bass, just lots of instruments, love of stuff. Um, so I made a video and it was to uh, Lady Annabellum's song, I Need You Now. And mine was called My Knee Hurts Now. And the premise of that video was highlighting the system abusers, you know, people that have been having issues for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, like my knee's been hurting me for like a month and a half. And then they called 911, <laughs> you know, at like three o'clock in the morning. And you're like, well, what changed after six weeks? And they're like, oh, nothing. I'm just tired of it. It's like, can you walk on it? Well, yeah. Can you drive? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, so, so mine was, uh, it's a quarter after one. I'm calling 911 because my knee hurts now. No, I didn't fall. I've got no complaints at all. Just my knee hurts now. You know? And so, and the whole, I made that video. I put it on YouTube so that the guys who couldn't make it to the banquet who were on shift could see it. And uh, the next morning, it was well on its way to a million views. I was like, holy cow, what just happened? Wow. And it just blew up. And um, I really didn't understand social media then. So like I should have capitalized on that momentum that I had, but I just didn't make another video for another year. And then the next year I made another one and that one blew up. And then I did the same thing. And it wasn't, it literally wasn't until like 2018, um, you know, I was encouraged to like, ah, oh, you should, uh, I think you're kind of missing the boat here with social media. I think you should really try and, uh, you know, sink your heels in and see what you can come up with being consistently like creating content consistently. And so I told my wife, this was, uh, around Thanksgiving of 2018. I said, Hey, um, I think for the month of December, I'm going to try and put out a piece of content every single day and we'll see what happens. And so she was like, okay. And so I had like 300 followers on Instagram and so I, I put out one piece of content every day. And, uh, you know, by the end of that 30 days, I had gained 3000 followers. So I was like 3,300 followers. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And so I just kind of kept doing it. And I started meeting, uh, people through collaborations and relationships and things like that. And other social media got, uh, police officers and firefighters and, and uh, it's been a really, really cool journey just getting to meet people and talk to people who that I saw from a distance. And now, you know, I have their phone numbers and we text all the time or talk all the time. It's really cool. That is yeah. cool. That's awesome. I mean, you, you have, 
Uh, I mean, for maybe for lack of a better word, you really have a kind of a massive following. I mean, now you've got what a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. I mean, on on TikTok, you've got three hundred plus thousand, I think. And and mm-hmm. so, uh, I mean, that growth is just awesome. And uh, yeah. for the for the listeners out there, I, you know, I go go and check them out on most of your videos. You don this big mustache, and and you know, it's that comedic humor that really kind of kind of brings into maybe even firefighting or just the someone else's life and experience it it kind of sucks you in um and it gives you a little bit of insight there how do you come up with your content is i mean that's a lot of content even just like you were saying a video a day or something like that that's a lot of content is it all just creative or is it you just hey this is a cool idea this is a cool idea it's kind of, you know, it's kind of uh, changed over the years, which I, which I like, cause I, I don't want to be stagnant. I want to continue to change and stretch myself and do different things. But I, you know, um, I do, I, I've kind of got a mix now uh, where it started out um, where I would just write, you know, and really what it was, is was what I love to do. What my passion is with comedy is I love to I mean, firefighter. I mean, I think it's just life in general, but especially around the fire, fire station, fire scenes, whatever. Somebody's always complaining about something. Somebody's always getting fired up about some, somebody's always complaining about something. And I started to like notice that there's like a fine line between like, um, anger and like, uh, comedy really. So I'm like, when somebody, is complaining about something or is experiencing something that's, or they're annoyed by something, I would write it down. And, and then I would come back and look at it and be like, man, I can re if I can recreate these moments in a way that is on video where everybody can identify with the character in that video and go, Oh my gosh, yes. I hate when that happens or that's so-and-so, you know, that guy, whatever, blah, blah. Uh, and I could create those moments because like when you're in the moment and something's annoying you, you're just, that's all you're seeing is just your frustration, your anger, whatever. But if you had like that camera from the side watching, it's pretty funny. You're just, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know? And so that, that was the real thing as I just, or, I mean, something will happen to me. Most of it is stuff that happens to me and I will immediately write it down. Like my crew will say like, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, I got to write this down. And they'll just, you know, start like, for instance, there's a video that I made where like, you know, we wear headsets on the engines I take my headset off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dang it. It pulls a hair out like one single hair, but it freaking hurts so bad. So you're like, <laughs> gosh, dang it. And I'm like, and every other I'm firefighter a- has had that same experience. <laughs> exactly. And so like I made, made that video. It blew up. People thought they're like, yes. Oh my gosh. And then you got the bald guys. They're like, yeah, it must be nice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so and, and then I just, I just started noticing the things that I, and that's something that I've learned is like, nobody is unique. The things that happen to you happen to everybody. And, and I, and I apply that to my life in general, even when things aren't so great, you know, you know, like just whatever, like if I'm struggling with something or frustrated with something and you feel like, oh man, you know, why am I the only person this happens to? And then it's like, no. No, you're not the only person. There is so many people out there that happens to, whether it's funny or whatever. But yeah, that that's my favorite thing. And then um, obviously the music video parodies. Um, Do you ever have guys on your crew that are just like, oh, here here Brent goes again, like, or, or do they lo- or do they love that you do it? 
No, the, for the most part, everybody is very, very supportive. Everybody loves it. A lot of guys, you know, guys want to be in the videos and I love to put the guys in the videos and, and it's a good time. I'm sure sometimes they get annoyed, but they're like, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> write it down. Okay. Blah, blah, it down. You know? <laughs> but, or especially if it's like them that I'm making the butt, I'm like, <laughs> I'm making a video about you. Like we, you know, we buy our dinner, you know, uh, we go to the grocery store every day, we buy our dinners and then, you know, whoever pays, you know, writes up on the board, Hey, chow is, you know, six fifty or whatever, or five bucks. And then there'll be a guy that's like, Hey man, I only got four ones, but I got two quarters, uh, a nickel, you know, 15 pennies. You're like, just give me the four dollars i'll keep it i don't care you know and so so i made a video about that i'm like and and the guy who was that guy he didn't know it at the time but i'm like hey you 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 play this character this whole thing and then we got done i was like you know why you're in that video like why i'm all because that is you he's like oh whatever (laughs) but it's awesome because then it's just it creates so much engagement because i'll post that and i'll caption it like you know tag that guy and then it just creates all kinds of you know comedy just in the comments actually oh yeah that's that's good <laughs> so yeah that's awesome well, well go ahead and uh tell us what your socials are what's your tiktok handle what's your instagram your youtube yeah so pretty much on everything it's just uh it's at firefighter fenton so if you search firefighter fenton on youtube it'll come up i picked my username years and years ago and i can't change it so it's not like youtube.com slash firefighter. It's not that, but if you just search firefighter Fenton, you'll find it. Um, it's at firefighter Fenton on everything. I do have a Twitter and that's at firefighter Fent because Twitter's dumb and won't let me put the O in on the end. <laughs> <laughs> limit. But Character I, I, limit. Exactly. But I, I share for the most part, I share, um, all the stuff across all the, the platforms. Um, you'll see more long form stuff on Facebook, more long form stuff on, uh, on YouTube. Yeah. So. We'll definitely put the, your, your social links in, in the episode description so that folks can go check you out. Uh, and Thank we're you. also on Instagram. So we'll be, uh, maybe posting some of your, your hilarious videos so folks can, uh, link back to you and find those videos. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I know we're coming up on, on kind of an hour here. Uh, before we, we close, we wanted to to ask you a question. So something we ask every single one of our guests and it's about a personal creed. So uh, we are a brother's creed and really what we do is we, we talk about with all of our guests, first of all, their interesting lives and things that they do, but also uh, what are the principles that guide them in their lives to, to be a, a better man or a better person, a better father. Uh, and so I was hoping to hear uh, some of your personal creed that you could share with, with our audience. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, as far as like, I don't know that I have like something that I've like written out as like a statement or anything like that, but there are, you know, there are things that I, that I, um, lessons that I've learned and things that I live by. Um, yeah. and you know, like, so my, you know, my dad, um, my dad was a police sergeant, you know, he's him and my mom have been married. Uh, I think it's like 40 something years. Um, you know, and, uh, so, at a young age, I was diagnosed with ADHD and Tourette syndrome. There's another little thing for you. So uh, I still have Tourette syndrome. It's very mild. Uh, it, it has gotten more mild as I've gotten older. Hmm. Um, I think it. I think it kind of just is what it is now at this point. Um, 
but it wasn't, wasn't very mild when I was young. Um, and so I was really self-conscious about that. Um, I also had red hair and freckles, so I had some character building years for sure. <laughs> but maybe that's why I'm funny. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, my dad, uh, my dad, you know, he always taught me and my mom that, you know, that I just, they didn't give me any excuses or any crutches. They didn't say, Oh, you know, things are going to be hard because you have Tourette's syndrome because you have ADHD. You know, they didn't say that. They're like, no, this is the hand that you were dealt. Um, and you're going to play that, play that hand the best that you can. Um, you know, and that's the things that I, that I teach my sons and my daughters, um, is, uh, you know, do hard things. Don't be afraid to do hard things, especially as a man, do hard things. And work is good. Work is a good thing, but so is balance. And so is family. Um, and those are the most important family and full life balance is the most important, but do hard things. Anything worth doing is, or anything worth it is worth working for and, and working hard at. Um, you know, I also, um, I love Jesus, you know, I have my faith. So, um, love Jesus, love people, be nice, do hard things, care for people. Um, and definitely laugh, definitely laugh, like making people laugh, laughing at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself, that sucks. I'm sorry, but, (laughs) (laughs) but laugh, you know, don't be, yeah. Yeah. Don't be easily offended, (laughs) you know, which I think is something that could be a huge, like that's something in general, the word, the world needs to learn is how to not be offended because, you know, you know, and I, 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 you know, I tell, I, tell my sons, tell my crew, you know, whoever I can, you know, like, you know what happens when you get offended? Nothing. You just get offended. And and it is what it is. And so just, if you don't like something, look for something else. Move on. Move on. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so for me, um, uh, and, and also, you know, like I said, I'm a husband. So for the parents out there, for the husbands that are out there, uh, the best thing that you can give your kids is, uh, an awesome relationship with their mom. Um, you love their mother well, and you exemplify what it is to, uh, love a woman, serve a woman. Um, and that will teach your sons how to treat a woman. And that'll teach, that'll teach them how to be respectful. Uh, and that'll also teach your daughters their worth. Um, but love, love your wife, love your family. Um, love Jesus, love your job and laugh. That sounds like that really lame sign that you see at the store. <laughs> live, laugh, love. love. Live, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so we like we put over the, the, the banister yeah. or something in my house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, that's but no, great. Like, totally masculine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, those, those were great things. Thank you, Brent, for, for sharing yeah. those things. I think all of those are, I mean, that kind of touched on a couple awesome things as far as you know, relationships and fatherhood and husband and, and, uh, religion and, and just, ha- just being a good person. All, all of those points, I think really fit into what Jared and I are trying to accomplish with, with the podcast of a brother's creed is just becoming better versions of ourselves. And yeah. just like you were talking about being surrounded by a crew and your family and people that love you and support you and, and building a, a, a net or like a web of, of, 
people that are like-minded and that want each other to succeed is just, it could be a massive benefit in, in life and support. So that was great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, Brent, this has been great. We've had some, uh, he, you've shared some funny stories, uh, some, some ups and some downs and some serious stuff and some, you know, just some great advice. And you know, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come and talk with us. And uh, you have such a, a unique experience in life and you know we, we love uh, love your content and continue to, we'll continue to follow you and uh, uh uh give you some shout outs and stuff and so thank you again for joining uh appreciate that yeah thank you so much for having me and for our followers out there let's build that creed together 